praise God. We are, uh, we're going to share some things with you as the Spirit leads today. Um, and uh, just some things. I woke up this morning and in prayer, God began to talk to me and share with me some things. And um, it fits with some uh, things the Lord has been, my wife and I have been going back and forth this week sharing some things. And it just seemed to all fit this morning. And I believe this will help anyone that's watching today, whether you are brand new and you don't know anything at all, you don't know the difference between Genesis and Revelation, and uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke sound like an old 1960s rock band. You know nothing. Um, But those of you that have been around for 30 plus years, I believe that what God is wanting to talk to us about today is going to help you because... Uh, we we're in sort of, and this is maybe in conjunction with that. We've been doing the real series. We did it two weeks. Last week, we kind of took a deviation. God gave me something that was uh, specific to last week. So I think we could call this the real series because we're talking about real life, real people, but a real God. And last time I checked, we are real people. We do live a real life uh, and we do worship and walk with a real God. Uh, But I think there is a tendency to um, make things more intellectual in their pursuit than spiritual. And what I mean by that is, uh, I think if we're not careful, when we talk about real life, real people, real God, if we're not careful, we're going to skew more towards Christian psychology than necessarily biblical, true work of the Spirit. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with psychology. But there's some verses that came to me this morning, and I want to lay these as a foundation, and then we're going to get into some things. And we're going to start with uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to read there, and then we're going to come back to another verse a little later in 2 Corinthians 10, and we're going to sort of build it around. Um, And I'm going to read just a few verses here because it's important for us to read this. Now, lay the foundation in case you don't know this is important. Uh, context is everything when it comes to biblical uh, reading. You've got to understand context. And so you've got to understand who's, who Paul is talking to in this uh, verse. Because you're thinking, out, well, he's just talking to a group of people. Yes, but he's talking to a church that is in the city of Corinth. Corinth is um, was one of the most powerful cities. It was wealthy. It was very populated. It was very advanced. I mean, it was equivalent in America to one of our modern cities, New York, LA, Chicago, any one of those, that's what it was to the ancient world. So he's not writing to just a bunch of people held up in some small little town or some little village. And because of that, their wealth, their power, their intellect was very important to them. But this is what Paul says. Paul says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and of power that your faith, this is huge, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And really, I can say that today. Our desire is that as we share, it's not about, wow, boy, Joel and Kate really has some awesome stuff to share. It's, wow, God, you're awesome. 
I mean that sincerely. That's our prayer every day. If you don't even remember our names, that's okay with us. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. For as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them, for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit of who, of, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but in which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now this is the verse. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Man, now here's the problem. There is like 50,000 powerful things in those 12, 13 verses. But we're going to start at the back end of that with the statement Paul makes. And that is, to the natural mind, to the natural man, the things of the spirit are foolishness. And we have discovered, and we're going to get a chance to kind of talk about some practical things in understanding this, is that very rarely in your life, no matter where you are, whether you're just starting off this morning in your journey with Jesus or you've been going for a long time, almost never does the spiritual and the natural line up <laughs> in making sense. And so many times in our life, we are caught between the decision of whether or not we're going to spiritually discern something or naturally discern something. When I naturally discern something, I have to use my five senses, touch, taste, smell, hearing, sight. I get them right, correct? Or intellect not really a five cents, but my brain, that's how I interpret things naturally. If I'm going to do something spiritually, and Paul says, if you're going to understand spiritual things, you've got to discern it spiritually. None of these things can be relied on, even this, because very rarely do they ever line up. And most of the time, it would be safe to say they're in contradiction to each other. I would say definitely other. this. The mind. The mind. Never. And this is hugely important because we're talking about how to live life with Jesus Christ every day. We're not talking about how to go, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, we're not talking about how do you go and put God in his place for a couple hours every week and then you go about your life. A lot of you want to know, how can I walk with Jesus every day? How can Jesus go with me to work, to the doctor's office, to school, to the grocery store, to things like that? How does that happen? And again, I'm not suggesting and we're not suggesting that we walk around in some kind of spiritual cloud where we're not able to function in the world. You know, you go to the gas station to get a cup of coffee and you're like, ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now with this cup of coffee. 
We have this human side to us. We know that. But how do we navigate our world around us? Because when you look at things through a natural lens and you interpret things through a natural lens, it's going to make the things of God and the spiritual things seem farther and farther and farther away from being reality. And it kind of makes, for lack of a better term, it makes God feel antiquated and outdated and sort of behind the times. Because it's like, you know, God, in case you haven't realized, um, we sort of live in the 21st century. We're pretty advanced. And this antiquated Bible stuff really doesn't work in the world today. That's what happens. And so what do we do? Then we started getting to self-help, how to navigate, how to mind over matter. You know what? There are some things in your life your brain is never going to figure out. Well, Ever. Do you pretty much say it's self when it comes down to it. You said self-help, but really it's about having more and more confidence in yourself to know what you're supposed to do. Right, which is a scary place to be to have confidence in yourself yes. because but that's i mean that's our world is everything is self 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 you confidence anywhere you go for a natural help it's to better yourself think better of yourself you in control you have a, a better way of there's always this formula to apply so that you can make a better choice it's i mean pretty much wouldn't wouldn't you say that yeah i would say that because if you go and um, social media, that's social media. Everybody has a tip on how to better yourself. And the scary part about it is there's some really, I mean, you're on social media. We're not, we're not anti, so we're on social media right now. It'd kind of be dumb to be anti-social media and actually be on social media. It'd be the greatest oxymoron ever. Um, but it's filled with like, you know, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an Instagram influencer and all these different, a TikTok hack or a Facebook post. There's a lot of stuff out there that is you know, really, really good. I've got an app on my phone um, that provides a little widget. It's a motivational widget. And so it puts up, and there's some really good things every once in a while that pop up. And like uh, one of the ones I shared with my wife the other day, I thought it was awesome was this time next year, you're going to wish you started today. I was like, that's awesome. Really, really good. But there was another one on there. And then you saw that that day. It said, do what makes you happy. That sounds great. Do what makes you happy. But let's be honest. What makes you happy today? Did it Was that the same thing that made you happy five years ago? My wife and I, were, t we were laughing last night. We had a very busy day yesterday. We played chauffeur to our three kids. They had activities going on with friends from school, birthday parties. And so we were running literally all over chauffeuring them. And so we never stopped. And we finally got home. And it was like the... It was such an enjoyable, exciting thing to be able to come home, sit down, and eat dinner for 10 minutes and just take a break. And we laughed because it's like, man, you really get to enjoy the simple things of life. <laughs> 15 years ago, we'd have been like, this is boring. This is dumb. Now we appreciate it. So if you do what makes you happy, that's going to constantly change. And it's going to constantly. And what's horrible, the worst horrible feeling is when you think you know what's going to make you happy, and when you get it, you realize, man, it's not what it's all cracked up to be. But this goes back to what life are you going to live? What kind of life are you going to live? 
Are you going to live a life that you discern things spiritually or are you going to live your life you discern things naturally? And I'm not suggesting or implying for those of you that have been around for a while that this is about chasing devils. I'm discerning life spiritually. Ooh, there's a devil right there. Ooh, there's a spirit. I'm talking about when things in my life are working, how, what lens am I going to filter that through? What lens? Because even with things you've been through, because you've been very focal here, you know, with your journey with healing, uh, your emotional healing and um, your journey of healing through shame and then also physical things you've been through, the battle you face constantly was how are you going to operate naturally or spiritually? And sometimes that was a day-by-day thing. Some days it was natural and it was a struggle. Other days it was spiritual and you walked in faith. Sometimes it was hour by hour and other days it was minute by minute. And how you were functioning and how you were discerning those things really determined your level of peace and joy and through those periods of time, right? Because God doesn't always make it stop. God doesn't always just say you're healed. God doesn't always say you're delivered. Sometimes you got to walk through long seasons of hurt and pain and difficulty, and God doesn't change it. And if we're not careful, we get very frustrated, and I'll use the, the B word, we get bitter. Ah, I got you there. Like, oh, my God, the B word. What's the B word? Bitter. We get, and if we're not careful, we distance ourselves from God because if we're discerning things natural, and I look across to my brother or sister, and their life is going great, and my life is filled with hurt and pain, but I'm looking through a natural lens, I start to go, God, this isn't fair. But if I look through it spiritually, I can start to see, as it said here, there's a different purpose at work. Is this a fair assessment in how you navigated times where God wasn't answering your prayer? Absolutely. Um, with everything you're saying, I had a thought, but then I listened, I got trailed off to something else you were saying. But no, very true. I mean, man. And I was going to say this in the beginning, but you played the song, wasn't it? Um, you are good. Yeah. Lord, you are good. And I don't know, for those of you who've been connected, I know we have Westers that don't and have never officially been to a West gathering. But um, when I heard that song being played before we went online, um, it just brought me back to when we were all together and we would sing, Lord, you are good. And when we were worshiping this morning and just giving God thanks and praise, because that's all that worship is, is just, yes, I would love to be able to have music here. I'd love to be with you guys hugging necks and us singing and all being able to come together, which I know a lot of us has, have missed that. But when you're in that and you're saying, Lord, you are good. And oh my goodness, it just brought me back to when we were all together. And the, the, one of the things I loved about that song and the Lord always gave me the words to say, and I know it, I sounded like a broken record was I would say, and I still do in my moments of struggle when it seems like all hell has broken loose in my life is God's goodness isn't based on our circumstances. And I know I've said that a bajillion times, but I'm going to say it a bajillion and one because so many times I have. Hmm. I've given thumbs up. Okay, God, you're good because this is going right. Finally, something has has gone right, and this finally worked out. And, you know, I don't have to deal with the issues today, so, God, you're good. And then the next minute, I have. I've, like, just recently done this within the last week or so. 
and then man life hits you know you get bad news on this or you get this or it just seems like everything you try to do negativity and people that you love you know are saying this or things that you're going through this doesn't work out and so it's very easy as a human to go mm, on Jesus okay God you were good here but you know this didn't work out so mm. and so there's that yo-yo where you're constantly okay Lord you are good but you know what he's good because he's good and he's good because he is our God but he's also our father and he knows what's best for us and so when you're walking whether it's you don't know him at all or you're just getting to know him or you've walked with him a long time there's ebbs and flows of relationship there are I cannot say that where I am today God operated the same way in the beginning no he didn't because as a relationship everyone knows like I've told my kids when they go to meet a friend and they'll say hey you know my name is I'll just use charity hi my name is charity hi I'm Jane and then a few hours goes by I'm counseling my daughter because they're not 10-year buddies when they've been with other people because my kids just I'm using this analogy because they just attended a new school and so there are kids that have been there since they were in kindergarten and my children just came into this and they have pals that they've been with for 10 years or whatever and my kids have only been in a month and a half and they don't have the same relationship and so you could look at it well charity you're flawed no charity is in a one-month relationship whereas they are in a 10-year relationship they are in a five-year relationship they're in a six-year relationship so you can't always compare what your brother and sister are going through and what they're dealing with and their attitudes and because God knows the ebbs and flows of a relationship I mean I don't know about you he and I've been married coming up on 19 years and our relationship has gone through lots of ebbs and flows one minute man I thought the first few years we weren't gonna make it and then about like probably five six seven eight nine it was awesome and then 10 11 12 it was it's a relationship and there's so many different dynamics there's so many different ways that he looks at things versus the way I look at things and so that's why I love that the Bible says don't compare yourselves among yourselves don't look at your brother don't look at your sister and say okay well nothing ever happens for them nothing ever you know nothing ever bad goes wrong look they're on vacation again look they're doing this again man they just got another raise man everything looks great you don't know what's in there you're getting a snapshot and so with God walking with him you're gonna go through difficult times you're going to go through things in your life that you're not gonna understand and I would love to say what God when I first started out with my relationship with him he doesn't operate the way he used to because I'm not a baby with him anymore I'm not I'm not at the first name basis hi I'm Kate I am Jesus and you're working together it's you know Kate you know me God why aren't you healing this because there are things in my life God hasn't given me the answers to God hmm. hasn't explained why I've gone through the things I've gone through and I know I have followed his will I would stand before anyone any hierarchy anything and stand there flat-footed completely by myself and say I know I'm in the will of God in some ways it's gotten worse because you're following and naturally absolutely. you could say it's gotten absolutely worse. so but don't for those of you that are new in this don't judge well if that's how God is with her he's gonna be that way with me no because you know what I have three children I'm a mom he's a dad we have three children 
We don't discipline all three of those children the same. There's some you have to. Now, I said, if you do that again. Now, there's another child that if you come down hard on them, they're obliterated. They're completely, you can't come down on them hard. There's some hard-headed people, and God bless them. I'm one of them. There's some hard-headed people that sometimes you have to, in a, and I'm both ways, there's times God has to really, all right, Kate, that's enough. Then there's times it's like, all right, Kate, listen. Now, this is how you did this, but let me show you how I want you to do this. So we all, we're all in different stages. We all hear things differently. So for those of you that are starting out, please don't put yourself by based on what I'm saying that that's where you and Jesus are. It's your relationship as you and him walk in it together. So yes, there are things in my life with where I am with my relationship right now. Hmm. Hmm. Hasn't been fun. I've questioned. I've doubted. God, are you really God? Are you really? I know I walked in your will. I know I did, but I, I got one for you. Have you ever had God ask you, why do you want to do his will? I know that's like, well, yeah. Um, ooh, when I say he will challenge you, because I've said, oh, God, I just want to be in your will. I just, I want to do your will. I want to please you. He's like, really? Why? Is it because you think that doing my will means you're going to live in peace, which you will, but you're going to go through hardship. You're going to go through hurt. You're going to live in pain. You're going to deal with suffering. And that's my will. Are you willing to do my will in the midst of suffering if it never ends? (laughs) I'd love to be able to say my first answer was, oh, yeah. No. But for those of you that are just learning to walk in him, you're not there. Not to say that there's not going to be things in the early stages that he's going to, as you're teaching a child or as you're, you know, you're growing, there's not going to be some growing pains. Yes, there are. But doing the will of God, walking in him is just because you're doing the will of God because you love him, because you want to know him, because really how much do you desire him? How much does he mean to you? Does God mean a lot to you because you want a pain-free, as the bishop would say, pain-free, problem-free, pressure-free? Well, I'm going to be honest with you just for where I've gotten to, and I know there are others that are far beyond me, where I've gotten because I, I want to love him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, what I'm finding is that's not always the case. Mm. And so I wasn't trying to take over, but the will of God is the will of God. And ultimately, this is something that I know that we don't always want to admit. And I try to teach this to my children all the time. There's one goal. Where are we going to be at the end of our lives? And some of us, and I say us. have to go through things because if we don't, will we make it in the end? I want to make it. Mm. I tell my children that all the time. What we see is temporal, but there's an eternal 
that I pray every day that that eternal doesn't get too far out of my memory because we are so, our world so saturates us with the temporal. You have to be a success. Everyone has to know your name. Money, fame, relationships, stature. Likes. Every, I mean, Followers. yeah, everything. My kids will, Mom, because we're on social media. Mom, I got 100 likes. I'm like, yay. And somehow we equate that to, they really like me. It's amazing what we'll do for a like. I'm like, guys. So I wasn't, you know, when you no. add, when you bring me on no, here. No, this is important because over, if we're like, interpreting this scripture, and it's where we're sort of interpreting it backwards, you've got to start with the idea that, okay, how are we going to discern things, naturally or spiritually? Spiritual discernment does not mean simply angels and devils. We're talking about, are you going to look at things through a spiritual lens or a natural lens? This is what we're talking about right now. So we're talking about there's a natural lens and there's a spiritual lens. They don't, they very rarely ever line up. Eventually they do. It's like a, they start off here and I believe they get to where you go, okay, I see it. But why is this important? Because if you go to the, to the previous point Paul was making, he's saying that there's a, a mystery that's hidden. There's a hidden wisdom and a hidden mystery that God uh, is, is working out. In fact, it's so powerful that he actually uses the devil to bring about that purpose in our life. Because if the devil would have known what he was doing, the Bible says he wouldn't have crucified God. So how do you go through things where the devil or life or circumstances is working in your life for your good? The cross was for Christ's good. The garden was for his good. The stripes were for his good, right? We don't look at it, these things, but the Bible says he endured for the joy set before him. So those things were good, but they were things that were being allowed by the father to his son for the son's good and ultimately our good through the power of the cross. And he was using the circumstances of the day and also the adversary to better these things. So if I don't look at things natural, uh, spiritually and I only look through a natural, the natural tendency, like you just said, and Bishop Wright's famous quote, maybe he'll even say it next week, pain-free, pain problem-free, pressure-free. My life is humans are built to avoid discomfort. We're built to avoid it. We want the most comfortable bed. You will go into the mattress store and lay on 74 mattresses this one's too firm. This one's too soft. This one's too high. This one's too low. Because you want to be able to sleep on the mattress you deem the most comfortable. Every one of you today probably has a chair that's your chair. It's comfortable. And if they did an analysis on that chair, your booty cheeks have probably created the perfect curve in that chair because that's your chair. And it's comfortable. You don't want to sit on top. We sit every Sunday. I sit every Sunday on these wooden chairs here in the studio because they help kind of make me sit up straight and I don't slouch. But yeah, they're, not very comfortable. they're not very comfortable. And after a while, it's kind of like, and all of you back in Crofton, y'all remember? Yes. You know it's good when you got to bring your cushion to church with you because we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't like it. We don't like to wear shoes that make us uncomfortable. We don't like to wear clothes that make it. Nowadays, it's like it's great to be comfortable and cool at the same time because we don't want to. That's how we're conditioned. We want convenience. My God, have you not done online shopping? It's the greatest thing ever. 
Now Target delivers. Target, you go, I mean, Walmart, we don't even have to walk in the store. I love it. I need this, this, and this. I'll be there in two hours. Pull, pull up. They bring it out. I don't even have to get out of the car. It's amazing because it's easy. It's comfortable. I don't have to get out, walk in. That's how we are conditioned as human beings. We're built like that from the very beginning. Babies don't want to be uncomfortable. Baby doesn't want to be wet. Baby doesn't want to be hungry. Baby doesn't want, wants to be held, swaddled. We're built that way. We don't stop. And in fact, not trying to knock it, the older you get, especially when you get up into them golden years, y'all know some people, y'all know who, and some of you may be that. You ain't into being uncomfortable. You don't into being inconvenienced. God bless it. Senior citizens don't have a lot of patience. <laughs> God bless them. I know they're not watching. I got two of them. I call my parents. Hallelujah. And the one of them, which will be here on next week, I will not name names, he does not have much patience left in his golden years. And I don't feel bad saying it because he tells me every day, son, I'm 73, 75 in three months. I just got an update. He just, he's 75 and a half, whatever it was. I'm like, good Lord, Dad. This is depressing. You're counting down the months. We don't want to be inconvenienced. But got to be frank with you. The purpose and the plan of God in our lives isn't always convenient or comfortable. It's sometimes everything but that. It is, but for those of you that are, because I feel like we have some younger viewers today in Jesus. Not in age. Yes, no, not in age, but younger is in relationship. Yes, you're going to go through things. You go through things without Jesus. So, like, my kids and I were talking the other day, and I was explaining to them, we're no different than the people outside these four walls. No. We're no more special. We're no, we're no different. There's one difference. We know who we are in him, meaning we know who we belong to. And we have someone we can go to for when life right. is hard. Life is hard. So it's not like, okay, well, you know what? I don't care about God. I don't believe in God. I'm just going to go live my life. Good luck. Let me know how that works out for you. But at the end of the day, I've told my kids, we go through the same thing. Because there is pressure on a Christian because you feel like you have to be perfect. Like, it's like all of a sudden, oh, I know Jesus. I'm, you know, I'm a child of God or, you know, I'm, I deemed to believe in God. That all of a sudden it makes us these angelic beings. Ha! If anything, on the contrary, I feel like once that happens, it's like everything works against you as a child of God to where you have to work, not work for God. You don't have to do that, but you have to work harder and not that you work harder, but it's, you have more things working against you. But also God is going to reveal Absolutely. all the dark places in your life, not to embarrass you or to shame you, yes. but for your good. So you know what? Some things are not going to come out. Unless you're put in situations of pressure, fear, anxiety, doubt, uncertainty. You're not going to have to deal with some dark places in your life unless you're faced with circumstances that bring that out. It's ugly. It's nasty. It's not fun. But it's necessary because God wants to bring those things to the surface, not to punish you, but to remove those so he can elevate you. And I mean, I see it. I mean, frankly... We were talking about this, two, two, two natural things we all deal with. I believe God has designed marriage 
not to be a Hollywood story, but marriage that for those of you that are married, God designed that marriage because part of it's going to be bringing stuff out in you. Nothing brings out things in you like marriage in some ways, because when you start, you know, once the honeymoon wears off and you start getting to the depth of relationship to really become one, you've got to face every dark hole in your life and how you deal with that determines the unity that you build. And once you get that sort of going, you're like, okay, well, I get this. I get the hang of it. Then he says, oh, by the way, here's a few children. And then there's a whole nother process of bringing stuff out in you. And it's like, my God, I spent half my life just looking at stuff coming out and going, where's that coming from? And then we have situations like COVID. COVID, I, I said this from the very beginning of COVID, COVID dis, did not cause anything in our life. It just revealed all the stuff that was already hidden. It didn't reveal, it didn't cause people to stop uh, uh, struggle with Jesus. It didn't cause people to have uh, struggles with their relationship with God. It just revealed the things that were already there. God is always using things and circumstances in our life, difficulties, situations, relationships. Because there's nobody that can get to you like your spouse. Very true. There's a wall. We have a COVID wall here. You just can't see it. It's a spit-free, but also a barrier of love. No. There's nobody that can get to you like your spouse. There's nobody that can get to you like those that are closest to you. But that's part of what God designed because he has to bring that stuff. So those of you that are avoiding the difficult places are actually missing opportunities for God to reveal. Well, God wants me to have a job. He wants me to have a job where I love it. Maybe not. Maybe God wants you to have a job that every day you get in a car, you go, I hate this job. I don't want to go to work. And God says, yes, but you need to be here. Because every day you go to work, you're going to have to rely on my grace and my mercy. And every little day you're going to die and it's going to bring up something else on your way to work. You're going to say, God, I don't want it to be that way. I want to find peace in this. If I hate this job forever, I want to have peace in this job. You may not be able to live where you want to live. Can I be honest with you? Cat's out of the bag. We've made it made honest. Maryland is not my favorite state. Hate to break it to you, all those of you. I just crushed your heart. I'm not a big fan of Maryland. Okay, I live here. I was born and bred here, but I do not have the Maryland fag tattooed on my arm. I am not. Maryland's got some issues, okay? There's other places I've been in the country that are better than Maryland. But this is where God's called us to. This is where we are right now. And I got to be honest with you, every day in Maryland, you got to die a little bit. And I know some of you can get an amen because you wouldn't be living here unless God placed you here. You'd rather live everywhere else. But I know for a, for a fact, if I made a decision on what's comfortable, I would move somewhere else, but I would be miserable because I'm going to miss things that living here is going to do in my heart. If I never leave here, if I'm here forever, God is working. So we're saying all this. How do we know this? How do we live this way? How do we do this? We do it because we don't look at things naturally. We look at things spiritually. We look through a spiritual lens, not a natural lens. Because natural, I want convenience, comfort, ease, pressure-free, what's best for me, what can do, what, what can I do. That's what I want. God, nah, he didn't sign up for that. He signed up to make you like him. So you might be in a manger instead of the maternity ward. You might be in the wilderness instead of in the palace. 
You might be running around in Capernaum than standing in the temple of Jerusalem. See the difference there? What did Jesus do? Jesus was hanging out with sinners and publicans and the downcast of society, not hanging out with the who's who. Naturally, that makes no sense. He's the son of God. Why wouldn't he want to go to the top? But we all know the story now. It makes sense to us. But think about it then. If you'd have gone, is that Jesus, the son of God? That's the son of God? Do you know who that guy? That guy right there is scum. He's hanging out. That guy's a... If I could drop a rock on that guy's head, I'd do it right now. That's a scum. That guy just took money from me. That dude, Matthew, a few weeks ago, just took money off my table, and I had no food to give my kids because that guy who works for the Roman government took money from me, and now Jesus, who's the Son of God, is hanging out with him? I'm not following that guy. That's what you and I would be saying. Don't act like we wouldn't because we judge those things. We now go, well, he was a friend of sinners. And tax collectors, what a loving God. Yeah, but you're looking at it from this perspective, not there. Because we'd have been like, well, why isn't he in Jerusalem? Why isn't he sitting at the, in, in, the, in, in the temple giving us words of wisdom? Why is he hanging out with the... Did you know that woman at the well has been sleeping with some guy that's not her husband? Bad. Oh, boy. And that dude that's running around in the graveyard scaring kids because he's possessed, leave him be. And what Jesus wants to go out there and talk to him. What kind of God is he? We love that version of Jesus now, but I don't know if we'd have loved it if we were living it. Because that's a natural versus spiritual. Why are we saying all this? What's the point of this? The point is, if you don't understand this, you're going to want to come on here on Sunday mornings or wherever else, or if you don't like us, you'll go find somebody else. Baby, there is thousands of them out there now. And you're going to find the person who will tell you how God's going to make your life comfortable and easy and it's your best life now and get your vision board and speak favor over your life and all that. And you're going to go to work and it's never going to match up because when the more you get deeper in God, God is going to put you in seasons where it's not comfortable. And you're going to wait a minute. I thought God was going to bless me and prosper me and, 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 you know, make me the head and not the tail. He will, but not how you think. Can you be blessed? Yes, we're blessed. It's usually when you don't yes, want it there you anymore. Go. When you've given up. When you have given up on whatever it is you've desired and you become neutral and it's like, okay, whatever you do, God, it doesn't matter. And it's funny because that's generally when he moves or he works or, you know, you're waiting for this certain type of, yep. you know, job or whatever. And finally you give up and say, okay, God. And the point is, it's give up, yep. give up control, give up. You being in, trying to figure it out, trying to work it out. You being, having your hands in it. And you finally say, okay, God, your will is usually when you have finally given it up is when he gives it back. And it's kind of funny. It's kind of like a positive negative because you really don't care. Yes, like You're like, okay, great. I got the job I always wanted. I got the pay increase, but eh. It is what it is. It's usually what happens. It really does. But I got to say, I wouldn't trade living for God for anything. The peace that I have in the midst of the worst of circumstances. Um, the feeling of being able, through his grace and mercy, to overcome things that you watch people literally fall apart with every single day. It's 
and it is a dying process. But it's I the spark of that. hope you can have. It's one thing to have peace, but only have peace to endure knowing that it's just going to stink forever. But there is also a spark of hope. Some days it's brighter than others, but there's a hope. And that hope is confident expectation, meaning I believe and I'm confident that this is not the way the story is going to end. It may not change in this life, but even if it doesn't in this life, there is a hope of a greater reward or a greater life ahead. And even at the bottom of the barrel, when I feel like I can't get any lower, and it may be just a little tiny piece of hope, I can still grab a hold of that hope and go, I have hope. That's what makes us different than those today that are non-believers. It's not, if you looked at our life from a apples to apples, you may say, well, there's no much, there's much difference. We have three kids, you know, we, we, we go to Walmart, our kids go to school. There's a lot of things that look the same. What makes us different? Or you know what? There's some days you come over house. It's crazy here. We might be in a moment of intense fellowship. We'll call it that right now. And you go, wait a minute, you're supposed to be happy and go lucky and full of, no, no, no. We're just like everybody else except one big, big major difference. We got Jesus. And even on, day, on the dark days, we have him. And they say it, it's true. Your worst days are always better with Jesus than your best days are without him. And you say, well, that's just a bunch of Christian semantic. No, no, no. If you've ever lived it, you know it's truth. All my worst days with Jesus are better than my best days without him. Because I know on my worst days, as long as I've got him, I've got hope. But on my best days without him, I don't know when the bottom's going to drop. With Jesus, I always have a place to look up. When I don't have Jesus, I'm always looking waiting for the next thing to fall. But I've got Jesus. And as long as I got him... So we don't, I mean, I hope never comes across. We sit here today in a, is like, like we have it together. Our kids could come on here today and tell them, my parents don't have it all together. Trust me. And you know what? We've never hidden our flaws from our kids because ultimately this is real life, real, real life, but we have a real God. And here's the image God gave me this morning. And I want to finish with this because working backwards, we talked about uh, seeing things spiritually versus naturally talked about. God using circumstances and things in our life to bring about a purpose. But it started with Paul's whole foundation, not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with demonstration of spirit and power. I want to show you an image. This is the image I got this morning when I was in prayer. Now, you're not going to think it's very spiritual at first. Hold on. Look at this image here for a second. This is a Formula One race car. The performance of this car is absolutely off the charts. It can go hundreds of miles an hour. It can turn on a dime. It can grip the road at a tremendous amount of force. It is an absolute stunning piece of machinery. Right now, to build that car would cost you $12 million. Take a check. $12 million to build that car. That car right there is absolutely an, a, an engineering and performance 
Marvel. But how would I look if I took that car and I drove to do my errands at Walmart? What would be your idea of me if I took that, uh, if I drove that car to go down to the, to Dunkin' Donuts in the morning to get my donut? You'd go, wait a minute, what a waste. You spent $12 million to ride around town doing your errands. First of all, it wouldn't work well because you don't have a trunk. Strap your bags on the back, I guess. It would be silly because you're looking at a, as something that was built to perform at a high level, but you have made it just an errand car. You've made it a Honda Civic, and I'm not knocking a Honda Civic. You've made it a Toyota Camry. I'm not knocking a Toyota Camry, but a Camry and a Formula One car, not the same thing. I saw this today when I was praying. This is what God has created you and I to be through the power of the Spirit. In the Holy Ghost, this is what we are supposed to be. But because of the way we operate, we've taken that and we're wanting to turn it into our errand car. We want to get in our $12 million high-performance car and we want to run up to Walmart and grab a loaf of bread. Does it work? Yeah. Can you do it? Yeah, you could do it. But is that what it was built to do? If that, is that what it was designed to do? Is that why God went to the cross and shed his blood and then was resurrected on the third day and ascended into heaven and told his disciples, I will give you power and authority if you pray and you seek me and you tarry and they go to the upper room and they tarry and the Holy Ghost is poured out and they did all that. Did he do all that to build a Aaron car, or did he do all that to build a high performance engine engineering marvel? We have taken the spirit of God. Some of us, I'm telling you, this is where we're ending today. Some of us have taken the spirit of God and we have reduced it to just something to help us get our errands done every day, and we're not using it for what it was designed for. And the question I have today, which we're we're we the Lord has been using us in some situations. Is the spirit active in your life today? Or is it just something you have on the side to get a few errands done, but it's not really. So you want us to come on here today. Tell me how to cope with life. Tell me how to do this. Tell me how to do that. And I'm coming to you today. And I told my wife, there's nothing we can say. We can't come on here and give you wisdom that's going to change you. If the spirit of God is inactive. That's no different than telling you, okay, now you take your, your race car and when you go up to Walmart, make sure you find a good parking spot. We could teach you to drive that car. We could teach you how to handle that car as if it was a Honda Civic. But we're doing you an injustice if we say and, and tell you not to recognize the fact that you're in a race car. Stop driving it like it's a Honda Civic. And the devil is a master at convincing you and I who are children of God, bought with the name of Jesus, filled with the Spirit of God, that we're nothing more than a... And I'm not knocking a Honda Civic. Some of you are like, what's wrong with my Honda Civic? I love a Honda Civic. Nothing wrong with a Honda Civic. We drove a Honda for years. Nothing wrong with a Honda. But it's not a $12 million car. We drove a Honda van. Not a Formula One. A Honda van was great for errands. It was great for kids. It was great for McDonald's 
runs. It was great for ice cream in the back. It was great for all that. Could you do that in that car? Yes, you could. But that's not what it was designed for. Some of you are asking God to take your Formula One car and make it into the soccer mom mobile because you just want to live your life and get your things done and get your errand done. And God's looking at you today going, you really want me to take my most prized possession and downgrade it to a soccer mobile? And the devil's convinced us. And you want to, you, people, people search now for churches. What church is going to te- tell me how to have the best Honda Civic? And God's like, if you only knew what was available to you. If you only knew the power that was available to you. So my question, and I want to end with this today, and I feel this in the Holy Ghost, that God wants to challenge you today. When's the last time you used your vehicle for what it was built for? Or are you just trying to come on here Sunday morning and thus teach you how to do run errands more efficiently? How to get your work, your week more organized? How to get my car a little more? And the whole time you're sitting there with a Formula One $12 million car and no one's saying, hey, by the way, when's the last time you, you, you used this thing for what it was built for? Eye hasn't seen ear hasn't heard it hasn't even entered into the heart of man the things that god has prepared for them that love him but it has been revealed to us by the spirit we cannot give you words today of wisdom that's going to change you we cannot give you words today of wisdom that's going to help you it might provide temporary relief it might give you temporary fix it might help you today in the moment but when you wake up in the morning it will not be by might it will not be by power but it will be by his spirit when you wake up in the morning and you're facing monday and monday's looking at you and you know tuesday's coming and wednesday's coming and thursday's coming and problems and doctor's appointments and issues and trials and work issues and if you're going to have a job are you going to be able to go afford to put food on the table and all these things are bombarding you the words of wisdom we give you today will mean nothing but that is the time when you get up in the morning and you look Monday in the eye and you say that seems too crazy for me you're right to the natural mind the things of the spirit are foolishness but I'm looking through my week with a spiritual lens well I can't do that I'm not comfortable You keep driving your Formula One car like your Honda Civic. But excuse me for a moment. I've got a Formula One race car. I'd like to rev the engine for a minute, if you don't mind. I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with all that. That's a little too weird for me. Hey, that's okay with you. That's okay. You keep doing what you're doing, and I'll keep doing what I'm doing. But I know the power of the Spirit. When's the last time? Or, for those of you that have been around a while, can you stop right now, close your eyes, and the Spirit of God pray through you? How many of you, when's the last time you've been able to just close your eyes, not in a spiritual people around you, oh, feel the, feel, no, just you, just where you are. We were driving down the road the other day in the car. We were talking about this. And I said, we were talking about this same thing, this principle right here. Like, I don't think, I think 
People are starting to lose the power of God active in their normal life. We're riding down the road on 695, the Beltway in Baltimore. And I told my wife, I said, I don't think people just can, very few people can just do this anymore. And we just started speaking in tongues. And man, God just went boom in that car. But I tell you what, there's a side of your brain. You're going, this is the cuckooest thing you've ever seen. We are just cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But that's foolishness to the natural mind. But my spirit man is going, yes, yes, yes. I'm asking, when's the last time you got lost in the spirit? When's the last time you prayed in the spirit and let the the river of life bring life to you? And you just prayed and you lost track of words and time and space and situations. And you let the spirit of God pray with you. That's why the same guy who wrote what we wrote you today, read you today, he's the same dude that says, I Thank God I pray in tongues more than you all. And you say, well, I don't know if I believe in all this tongue stuff. This is not about theology. This is about actual, actual, true living with God every day. It's not about speaking in tongues. Because I can sit here right now and, and make a bunch of words up. I can make a bunch of gibberish up. I can go cha choo chi pong chi to chi ta chu bu chi bo 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 That's just goofy words. That's not the same. We're not telling you to go start trying to make up words. This is the activation of the Spirit of God in my life. And the evidence is I begin to flow in the Holy Ghost. Is that operating in your life? Because if it's not, everything we've talked about today is pointless. You can't. How can you look through things spiritually if you don't fellowship with the Spirit? And if you don't fellowship with the Spirit, the only option you have is to look at things naturally. And I'm not talking about some people that have been around for a few minutes. I'm talking about some of you that have been around for years and COVID has sucked your spirit dry for the last couple of years because the only place you flowed in the Spirit was in a church building. And now that that's gone, you don't spend time every day. You don't take moments out of your day. He I don't I can't do that. It's a little too weird. It's hard for me to do that. I've done that and I can do that in the middle of a doctor's office with people around me because it doesn't have to be loud. Oh, I don't know if I can live like that. You keep living your natural world. You keep driving your race car to Walmart and back and living below and I'll just see what God can do. Because when I read this book and I talk about the power of God and what's available to me, I want that active in my life. So it's impossible to do what we're talking today. You can't live judging things by the Spirit if you're not living with the Spirit active in your life. You can't see things for what they are. You can't see the purpose of God in the midst of hell if you don't have the Spirit active in your life. And there are times when we don't even know what to pray, have no words to say, hearts aching, frustration, Irritation. One of the biggest things. Yeah, because there's times your emotions there's, are so. Yeah, you can't even. Oh my goodness, you can't even put, utter a word to even articulate just how bogged down you are. And that is where the spirit really, wow, just comes in and just refreshes and renews and it prays everything that is on you. Because there are times, I don't know if some of you, even for me, even now, it's amazing how much you, when you don't take care of and give everything mm. to God in the moment. I've learned that is the moment something hits my mind. If it's anything negative, it brings a stress, worry, doubt, fear. I've, I'm learning. I can't say I've learned, but I'm learning in the moment 
to, to take it and say, Lord, I give this to you. Or whether it's a weight or, you know, this hasn't gotten done or a stress with a child or worry about somebody or I, I've learned in that moment to activate and speak whatever, whatever it is, whether it's fear. I bind this fear in the name of Jesus, this torment right now. God, this is not from you. Hmm. I command it right now to leave me, to leave my mind. I know that you've got full control over this, and I trust you, and I believe you in the name of Jesus. And I can go about my day, but when I don't do that, it's amazing how they compile and compile and compile and compile and compile until finally it's, Wah! and then I give in to fear, and I give in to doubt, and, I give in, and it hmm. totally takes over my day, week, month, whatever. And so... That is essential. Huge. Is not only just with number one fellowship and with spirit, but especially because there are times you can't articulate what's wrong. You can't even get no. out all that you're going through, all that you're, you can't articulate it. It's just even to kind of just breathe is all you can do. And when you get that out and the refreshing and the renewing and restoration, you can just feel it. Everything just melts away. Every Just get in his presence and just letting that flow it's and again, it's not about the tongues itself. It's the evidence. That's the evidence of the spirit and yep. what it's doing inside of you. So don't get caught up on it. Well, I got to speak in this weird. No, that's the evidence that the yep. spirit of God is working in you, is flowing through you, is what you're saying. Amen. So that is vital because you're right. If you don't do that, because I've been talking to people. I mean, I was talking to my daughter the other day, trying to teach them and walk and I mean, because we're teaching them with watching as they watch our lives. And I said to her, she was like, she said something to me. And I said, do you pray in the spirit, honey? Does the spirit of God flow out of you? Because you can lose it. If you're not praying in the spirit, it can leave to where you get refilled again. You have to go in and I was like, are you praying? Because you're not going to see things. You're not going to be able to do things that daddy and I are talking about. If you're not fellowshipping with the spirit, if all you're fellowshipping with is carnal, carnality, things of the world, things of the flesh, everything that your fleshly desires, and that's a whole nother thing for a whole nother day. And I'm trying to teach her that is, sweetheart, you're going to have to get in your own. And I think that's why so many of us have, miss, have missed corporate worship is because we could live our carnal life. We could live in our, our carnality. We could live in the you know, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, live how we want to and be able to go into a building and be able to partake in what other people have sown all week. Mm. Truth. Truth. Yeah. So if you're one of the ones, and again, I, I've missed it. I have. I, but I haven't. I'm going to be honest with you. In the times that we've had other gatherings, whether, no matter what it's for, because I, wow, the presence of God in a funeral. But I'm going to be honest with you. Just like it was said a few weeks ago, I have, there's been more of a, an amazing, not on a Sunday, powerful move of God in my car mm. on a Tuesday afternoon than I have felt in some of the most powerful mm. gatherings of the body Amen. coming together. I'm just going to be Amen. honest. Amen. There is nothing like the power of God flowing in and through your life in the midst of a bathroom, Amen. just you and him. Or on your bed, just you and him. In a car, just you and him. Amen. If you have to rely on corporate worship, for, and I'm not talking, for those of you that are young in this, I'm not talking to you, sweetheart. For those of you that have been around a long time, and you are so missing corporate worship, I just gotta, you might want to check 
your maturity level in Jesus. You've come too far. You've come too far. It's time to get off the baby bottle. It's time to get off expecting other people to bring it to you, sweetheart. It's time for you and Jesus, like you know how, to close your eyes, get alone with him, and let the power of God between you and him. And yeah, if you haven't done it in a while, it's going to be like revving an old engine. It's, it's going to take a few It's going to take a few times. It's not going to just flow like it's just a river of... No, it's going to be a, a little bit of stumbling, a little bit of like getting stuff out, a little bit of, okay, God, might need to go into, God, is there any sin in my life? Is there anything that I put above you? Am I putting the, my lusts? Am I putting my desires? Are, am I putting things of the flesh above you? Because that will hinder it. God, I repent before you. I'm asking you to search my heart. Forgive me. Forgive me for fellowshipping and wanting things that are above you. Forget, you realize that he, we are to put nothing above him. Nothing. Job, husband, spouse. Sorry, I always think of husband, wife, children, Money, pleasure, status, stature, whatever. Nothing can go above him. No thing. And get in his presence between you and him. And God, I don't want anything to be between you and me. Mm. Don't let anything come between you and me. You know my heart. You know, God, you know everything inside of me. Search me, God. Show me the things that are keeping me from you, from you flowing and leading and guiding me. Because all that he, like he said, all that we've talked about, if you're not doing this, you can't, you can't, this doesn't work. It doesn't. And you're going to end up getting frustrated and saying, well, Pastor Joel said this, or Joel said this, and it didn't work. Mm -mm. You got to make sure you're applying the principles correctly. It's like a formula. You may have all the pieces, but if you're not applying them in order, it's not going to add up correctly. It's not, but it, I'm telling you, it works, but don't take it on me or on him. Find it out taste for yourself. Taste and see. Taste and see. That's what the Bible says, taste and see. So we're, we're coming to an end here. So instead of turning off and going off your day, why don't you just do the steps that were just told to you? Search me, God. What is in me that's blocking the river? What has dammed up the flow of your spirit? And you may say, well, how long is that going to take? Some, it may take a moment. Others, you might have to be on here for a few minutes. You may have to be focused for a while. But pray until when? Until. Pray until you get that flow of that river back. And I'm telling you, for those of you that will do this today, if you will do this, when you're done, every single thing you're dealing with right now, your situation may not change, but there's going to be a refreshing in you that's going to change your outlook on everything if you would just let the Spirit of God work in you. You're going to take a stagnant pond and turning into a flowing river. You take a river and you put a, put a dam in it, and then you let all that water back up. No more flow. It's going to get uh, murky and ugly and moss and smelly because there's no flow. But you remove the blockage, all that flow. And you know what's amazing? You don't have to clean the water out. If you get the flow back, the flow itself will purify the water. So instead of worrying about, man, I got all this stuff in me. I got to work out. No, 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 no. Find the blockage, get the blockage out of the way, let the Spirit of God flow through you, and the, when the Spirit of God, that river flows through you, as John 7 says, that river of living water, it will purify, it will take away, it will, it will wash away fear, it will wash away doubt, it will wash away worry, it will wash away confusion. Don't try to address the symptom, address the issue. The issue is I don't have the Spirit of God active in my life every day. 
find the blockage, let God identify it. If it's unforgiveness, if it's flesh, if it's whatever it is, whatever's blocking that flow, find it, get God to help God grace to remove it. Let the spirit of God flow through you. Let those, let that prayer flow through you. Let that worship flow through you in spirit and in tongues. And when you do that, everything you're dealing with is going to wash away. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. That's why Paul says, I don't have wisdom to give to you, but demonstration of spirit and power. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lose your power to be demonstrated for those that are watching right now that are hungry, that as we are we're finishing up today, you have spoken to them and they can feel your spirit. They can feel the connection to what you're, what's been said here today. And they're saying, Lord, I, I want that. I, I need that in my life. I don't know how to do it. They may not know exactly, but Father, I know that you can do all things. And right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak that your spirit would be made manifest in every heart right now that is hungering and desiring for your spirit in their life. They may never even, they may not know what to do. They may not know how to do it. But God, it's not about the mechanics. It's about hunger. And God, you can reach down right now, wherever they are, in their home, in their car, wherever they're watching today. You can reach into their situation and you can bring a demonstration of your spirit into their life. And I loose that right now. I bind every spirit of doubt. I bind every spirit of unbelief. I bind every lie of the adversary that's trying to steal the work of your spirit in their life that says this is foolish, that this is crazy. God, that's all a lie. Your spirit is power. Your spirit is life. Your spirit is truth. And I loose the demonstration of that spirit right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Let it be done, Lord, right now, even as we pray. Those that are seeking and hungry for you, let them be filled or refilled right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let it be done in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, just lift your hands right where you are right now and let the Spirit of God begin to work in your life and let God begin to bring a river of refreshing and strength and hope and life into you. Wash away the fear. Wash away the doubt. Wash away the worry. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.